This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. Welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. I'm Max Spitz. When I was about seven or eight years old, my family and I took a day trip to a trout farm while on vacation. You know, as I remember it now, the trout farm was basically a few shacks surrounded by small ponds. We were provided with fishing gear and over the course of the day caught countless trout. But the reason I still remember this day, or rather why my family won't let me forget it, is what happened afterwards. One of the professionals at the farm cleaned all our fish and sent us home with the freshest fish possible. However, having seen the fish in their ponds, I refused to eat our dinner that night as I felt I had developed a relationship with the fish. This week's teller, Sarah Zamatis, also has a storied relationship with fishing. Join her as she recounts how this traditional leisure activity has grown into a symbol of feminine pride. Recorded live in Chicago, Second Story is proud to present Catching. My grandpa was a small-town farm veterinarian. Everybody called him Doc. He called me Peanut. Once, when I was seven or eight, he took me fishing. We went to a public pond stocked with fish, so my odds of snagging one were pretty good. I remember green. Grandpa's army green farm coveralls. The trees, electric green. Just one shade darker than the thick algae that covered parts of the stagnant water. In contrast, I was wearing my favorite red smocked pinafore halter dress. We chose a spot to squat and he teased me with the slimy worm before waving it right by my nose. Oh, it's just a little worm, Peanut. Doc laughed and held me close as he rubbed his whiskers on my cheek. (laughs) I loved his laugh. He baited my hook and handed me the pole. I looked around for what to do next. I spied a boy, tip his pole back over his shoulder, and then arc it forward. The sound it made was beautiful. Zzz, click, whirr, whirr, whirr. Easy. I tipped my pole back, and as I brought it forward, my my line didn't follow. I felt a tug as I tried to bring it forward. Uh, Peanut, you caught a maple. Doc chuckled as he freed my hook from the tree. He suggested I just drop my line in the water. Zzz, sploosh. I patiently stood at the pond's edge until I felt a tug. Over and over, I'd yank my line from the water and then duck as the empty hook would fly past my head. Those darn fish are eaten for free, huh? Doc chortled as he impaled the last worm on my hook. Least they could do is say thank you, huh, Peanut? My shoulders slumped, my bottom lip sticking out. Grandpa, I want to go catching. I hate fishing. Well, Peanut, maybe better leave the catching to the boys. 2004. My husband, Scott, and I decided it was high time to visit the Rockies. Two of my mom's brothers, Doc's boys, live out there, Uncle Don and Uncle Rex. They were dying to take us to their secret fishing spot up on Robber's Ranch. By us, I really mean Scott. Uncle Rex went so far as to say, Sariberry, you don't have to come with us. I mean, do you even own pants? With a roll of my eyes, I pulled on my overalls and climbed into the oversized pickup. We wove through the mountainous landscape for an eternity plus forever. Finally, we arrived at the entrance, uh, of sorts. 
No trespassing signs posted amongst the thick overgrowth, which Rex wound around to a dirt road. Now, I fear trespassing, especially in a state that loves their guns as much as Colorado does. But with my uncle, I felt safe. Don't mind the signs. The owner's a buddy of mine. We trekked through the wild overgrowth down to the river. Oh, it was magical. The sound of the water over the rocks, the cool, the silence. He instructed us, cast and reel in real slow, like fly fishing. Do you need us to put your worm on, Sari Berry? No, I got this. Now, I wasn't sure I did, but I wasn't about to be the girl along for the ride. I watched as Scott pinched the worm, and as he tore it apart, brown goo oozed out. Okay, no. Can you help me out? I quietly asked Scott. The four of us spread out as we threw out our lines and dragged them in. The rhythm was entrancing. Zzz, click, whir, whir, whir. Woo-hoo! Uncle Rex's victorious cheer echoed down the river. We all made our way back to the clearing to view his conquest, the biggest brown trout he had ever bagged there. We cracked celebratory beers. Uncle Don snapped photos. That's a beaut there, Rexy. Hungry for our own catch, we headed back for another round. Try as we may, we weren't catching a damn thing. But we didn't mind much. Scott and I were drunk with anglers amour. We snuck smooches in between. Zzz, click. Whir, whir, whir. Time to pack up before we can't see our way out, Uncle Rex called from beyond the brush. Ah, shoot, we haven't taken any pictures, Scott remembered. Cast one more time, okay? I flirtatiously threw out my line with a Marilyn Monroe flare at the end. Dip and up. Whoa, my God! There was definitely something heavy at the end of my line. I had a million thoughts. Is it really something? Man, it's heavy. Did I just hook Loch Ness? But all that was coming out of my mouth were ecstatic screams. Sariberry, what is it? Rex called from beyond. Slow and easy, Sarah, Scott reminded me. I reeled and released and reeled and released until it came into view. The most magnificent rainbow trout, and it was mine. Wait till you see this one, Rex, Scott announced as he extracted my hook from the fish's innards. As we emerged from the brush, Scott lifted my fish for all to see. My uncle's jaws dropped in disbelief. That bugger's bigger than Rex's, Uncle Don exclaimed. Way to go there, Scott, Uncle Rex conceded. Oh, no, this one is all Sarah's. I'm just the courier, Scott explained. No way! Great job there, Sari Berry. More beer, more photos. Fast forward to present day. Marriage, house, kids. Scott and I yearned for a slower pace. Remember that summer camp resort in the movie Dirty Dancing? Everybody seemed so happy and carefree. An escape from the everyday, if only for a few weeks. We found our Kellermans through joining the Lake Geneva Beach Association. Block parties and golf carts, sun-drenched days and cocktails around the fire pit at night. Three summers ago, as I swung open the door to call boys dinner, I was surprised to find all their fishing gear spread out on the driveway. Their five-year-old sister was closely observing them while walking barefoot amongst all of their hooks and lures. 
As I swung Sophia up into my arms, my 12-year-old breathlessly announced, Mom, the sign-in for the fishing contest is in 45 minutes, so we have to eat fast. Oh, my good gravy. I almost forgot about the contest. Scott was away on a camping trip, and I was in single-parent survival mode. Oh, no! I was the family adult. I felt a wave of panic. Typically, I take photos and wrangle our little girl so she doesn't fall off the pier, and Scott helps the boys as lines tangle and hooks need to be removed from fish eyes. Then I remembered. It's okay. The boys are older now. They can handle this. They can ask the other dads for help if they get in a jam. The boys swallowed their plates whole as our little lady dilly-dallied over her dinner. They shouted, See you down there, Ma! as they blurred by the door on their bikes. Finish up, Sophia. We want to go down and watch your brothers, right? Mama? Where's my pole? Sophia gazed up at me with her huge Cupid doll eyes. Huh? Right. Her pole. She deserves a pole. Not that she's ever fished or that she'll actually do anything with it. Sophia is a tentative kid and does not like to try new things. But if she wants a pole, she should have one. I furiously dug forever and found an old plastic kitty pole in the depths of our shed. I grabbed my keys. Let's go! Sophia held her ground and declared, My brothers had a bucket. Yep, yep they did. Okay, a bucket. Where's a bucket? Back to the shed. I found a tiny green sand toy which seemed to appease her. We jumped on the golf cart and drove like crazy down to the contest. The sun was just beginning to set, and the beach was filled with joyful chaos. Dozens and dozens of modern-day huckleberry fins. The little ones being herded by parents. A glorious postcard of a bygone era. As I stood in the park, speaking with one of the grandmas, I felt a tug on my skirt. Don't we need to sign up, Mama? Oh, <laughs> we're actually doing this? I had thought Sophia just needed the props of fishing, but she was serious. So we queued up. As we wrote her name, the lady in charge commented, Oh, Sophia, what a beautiful dress. You aren't going to fish in that, though, are you? She looked up at me, clutching her pole and her bucket. I winked down at her. I don't think the fish will mind. My stomach was in knots as we worked our way down the narrow pier through all of these bodies, swinging these sharp hooks. After an eternity plus forever, we reached the end of the pier. It was a little wider down here, so I didn't fear her getting bumped as much. Don't we need a worm, Mama? Oh, for real? <laughs> we are actually doing this? I couldn't quite believe it, but uh, okay. I had to bait the hook. I could feel her eyes on me, watching for how her mom, a woman, would handle this. Luckily, the grandpa next to us had packed enough worms for a Canadian expedition and offered us our own container. Great! <laughs> I picked up the worm, and I told her to hold out her hand. As she held it, I petted it with my finger. <laughs> Mama, it tickles, she giggled. I love her laugh. Then... I pinched it right at its midsection and goo oozed out all over our hands. Oh no, Mama, she exclaimed. No worries, Fee. That's what dresses are for. And I wiped the goo all over my skirt.
The whistle blew and we cast our line. Zzz, splash. Instantly, we felt a pull. Whirr, whirr, whirr. As we reeled the line out of the water, there it was. Her first fish and the biggest smile. <laughs> she did it. Take him off, Mama. Oh, yeah, right. Removing the hook. How do you do that without ripping their face off? I took a breath and mustered the confidence to grab that slippery little bugger. Ouch! They were sharper than they look. But I wasn't about to let her down now. Carefully and gently, I wiggled that hook out with my bare hands. Now I was squealing with excitement. I did it! Oh, the flip fish slipped out of my hand and began flopping on the pier. Oh, oh, the bucket! I scooped water into her minuscule bucket and angled the fish in so at least its gills were underwater. More worms! We rebaited our line. Zzz, splash, yank, whirr, whirr. Another one! Our bucket had reached its maximum capacity. Mama, let's do it again! Zzz, splash! It was as if the fish knew what we needed for her, for me. We needed to be catching yank! Whirr, whirr, whirr. Our neighbors had to loan us a larger bucket after our third fish managed to escape back into the water. Zzz, splash, yank, whirr, whirr, whirr. When the ending whistle blew, Sophia and I had caught seven fish. More than her brothers. More than could fit in our loner bucket. More than I ever could have imagined. This story was curated by Amanda Delheimer with music and sound design by Mariana Green. The Second Story podcast is produced by Max Spitz. Second Story is located in the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi Nations. Our programming is made possible by the MacArthur Fund for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, Illinois Arts Council Agency, Innovation 80, the Lupo Family, Eric Rothstein and Gina Wamek, Athene Karras and Thomas Applegate, Jeffrey and Joan Goldwater, Katie and Peter Hauser, and many generous individuals like you. I'm Max Spitz, and this, this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast. Podcast.